This is Surveillance Today. No bullshit news about modern surveillance. In Surveil Link number 120, I highlighted a Wired article reporting on the group behind the website BanSurveillanceAdvertising.com. A coalition of organizations posted an open letter to the website calling on lawmakers to ban targeted advertisements shown to a user based on their behavior, browsing habits, purchase history, etc. The business model, perhaps most famously used by Google and Facebook, has recently come under intense scrutiny in both the public and private sectors. Apple soon will roll out prompts on iOS devices asking if a user wants to allow apps to track them. The plan feature has caused quite a feud between Apple and Facebook and their respective CEOs, something I've talked about in Surveillance number 10, 20, and number 53. The coalition published the open letter just days before a congressional hearing with Jack Dorsey, Sundar Pichai, and Mark Zuckerberg, CEOs of Twitter, Google, and Facebook respectively. During the hearing, Representative Anna Eshoo of California and the congressional representative for both Pichai and Zuckerberg stated that, quote, Representative Schakowsky and I are doing a bill that is going to ban this business model of surveillance advertising, close quote, after calling the practice, quote, dangerous, close quote. I was able to sit down and discuss the letter and Representative Eshoo's comments with Jesse Larrick, co-founder of Accountable Tech, the nonprofit organization behind the letter. I also got his thoughts on how the events of 2020 particularly brought the issue to the forefront of public dialogue, what he thinks about Facebook defending its surveillance by masquerading as the hero of small business owners, and what he thinks needs to happen in order to enact lasting legislation that addresses the issue effectively. The following is our conversation in its entirety. What do you think about the idea of banning surveillance advertising? Let me know by dropping a comment on surveillance.today. So today... Um, I got with me Jesse Larrick from Accountable Tech. Um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and your organization before we get started? Yeah, how's it going? Thanks for having me. I, I, uh, I'm Jesse Larrick, as, as you said, <laughs> co-founder of Accountable Tech. We're a nonprofit that's focused on holding tech accountable, as the name would suggest, and uh, with a particular interest in sort of the information ecosystem. Um, but you know, spanning a lot of issues that that touch that space as well. So we launched last year and we've really been hitting the ground running ever since. Fantastic. What 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 was uh um what what, what was your motivation behind starting the, the organization? Yeah, well it's something I've been super interested in for a long time. I, I was actually a foreign policy spokesman for uh Hillary Clinton's campaign in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was sort of dealing firsthand with uh, the the foreign influence campaigns and you know the manipulation of social media platforms and information warfare in general um, and mm-hmm. seeing the effect that that has on our democracy and you know certainly not like a vengeance type thing but just you know since then and before then and and certainly since then have been just keenly aware of the impact that uh, social media platforms and the sort of modern flow of information um, has on on democracy and society writ large. And so I just felt that it was important to do something to try to try to hold these hold these companies accountable and push things in a in a more democracy friendly uh, direction. So what you're saying is you experience the problem firsthand than most people have, right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, I think we're all living it, but I was definitely living it in a very direct and day-to-day. Um, right. And uh, excuse me, I, I I meant to say before most people have, or I, I feel like most, uh, like 
we weren't a, a, most people in society like it was, there was there's always been rumblings ever since Facebook and Google launched you know but then it was never really highlighted until this past year but for well it was highlighted in 2016 but it didn't get the attention of all of society until this past year I feel like but yeah, but as I said you experienced it experienced it first firsthand before anyone else uh, before most anyway yeah no I think I think that's totally right I mean it's been you know sort of interesting to watch people waking up to the as you say there's been a sort of society-wide recognition obviously with the capital siege on january 6th that was something that you couldn't really ignore anymore but it's definitely we've come a long way in, in four years that's for sure yeah so your um your organization's letter um which can be found on the website ban uh surveillance uh advertising.com correct um which I've already highlighted to my listeners and readers. Um, it came out just before a congressional hearing with the CEOs of Facebook, Google, and Twitter. Um, am I correct to assume that, that the timing of its release was intentional? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we one of the things we wanted to do, especially, you know, some of these hearings have been in the past. I mean, the most infamous one back in 2018 was sort of when you had octogenarian senators asking Mark Zuckerberg how they can make money if they don't charge for their product. And he said, famously, Senator, we sell ads. Um, so yeah, so we, but, but there's been progress since then, I think, in terms of, you know, fluency levels amongst members of Congress. But still, I think a lot of the hearings have taken the shape of, you know, people holding up giant, you know, poster boards of blown up tweets or whatever and yelling about like, why wasn't this taken down? And, and so we've been eager to move the conversation away from, uh, you know, individual pieces of content and content moderation to um, the underlying business model that drives so many of the harms we're seeing today. And so that's kind of why we wanted to roll this out in advance of, of this last hearing. And I, I do think that there was a, that we're making as I say, slowly but surely progress on that front where members of Congress were drilling down on, on the business model and, and some of the incentive structure that underlies this. Yeah, that um, I love that I, I love that you pointed to, I believe it was Orrin Hatch that, said, that asked that. And so I actually grew up in Utah and he was my senator my whole life until re very recently when I moved out of the state, right? <laughs> and so I remember writing letters to him when I was like in third grade for class assignments, you know? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So anyway, so it, I, it was particularly funny when, when for, to me when, when that happened, because anyway, I've been shaking my head at, at Senator Hatch my whole life. <laughs> um, but I mean, to your last comment, it, we, we have seen um, some senators more actively uh, go after this, this uh, business model of surveillance advertising. And, and it, in that same congressional hearing with, with, uh, with the, the CEOs, Senator Eshoo from California um, made a comment that her and Representative Schakowsky from Illinois are planning a bill to ban surveillance advertising. Do you know um, if your letter had any influence over that, that comment? Yeah, I think there's, so I think there's growing momentum across the board. And I would add also in, you know, we've been working with one of the cool things about the coalition is, uh, you know, we've got partners in Europe and have been engaging a lot with them because there's momentum as as they move forward with things like the Digital Services Act. Um, you know they're eager to push this on that side of the pond as well. So it's been just fun to see the the momentum building for this across the board. Um, 
Yeah, and certainly Congresswoman Eshoo has been a, a leader on these issues for, for quite some time. And, you know, we've engaged with their office previously, um, you know, last, and I knew that last year she, um, she rolled out a bill to ban politic, political micro-targeting, which is sort of a, you know, smaller, more narrowly targeted version of this. And so, I, you know, we, we got checked it with their, with their uh, lead policy guy just to sort of, as we were laying the groundwork for this grassroots effort, just to see what kind of appetite there might be on the Hill for something like this, because it is, you know, pretty bold in, in nature. And we wanted to make sure that, that we were not misreading the tea leaves. Um, you know, so I don't want to say that we get sole responsibility or anything. And, and, and I'm excited to see what the actual legislation looks like. But, you know, we, we did engage with them about the concept broadly. And, you know, it's exciting to see, um, you know, this, this concept hopefully being turned into legislation. And ha have they, um, or I, I, I don't know if you'll be allowed to say this if the answer is yes, but <laughs> have they engaged with you since then as they're writing this bill? Yeah, I mean, you know, not necessarily on like, what do you think of this, you know, exact phrasing of legislative text or whatever, but but definitely, you know, anytime you're introducing legislation or on something like this, you know, it's it's helpful to have support from grassroots organizations. So I think that for if you're Congresswoman Eshoo or Schakowsky, you know, it, it's very encouraging to see um, so many groups from across the spectrum um, lining up behind this policy. Um, and so they're definitely eager to like engage with not just us, but others in the coalition and make sure that, you know, they're sort of, uh, that we're loosely on the same page, you know, ultimately they're obviously going <laughs> to write the, write the legislation and, and they know better than we do how to, how to um, do that in the best way. Um, but that, you know, as is typical on these kinds of things, I think that they'll continue engaging with, with grassroots and civil society organizations, um, you know, and hopefully we can, hopefully they'll put something forward that's great and we can get behind it. Yeah. Let's hope. Right. Um, so in your letter and on your website, you cite a survey that Accountable Tech conducted this past January, and it shows that roughly 80% of 1,000 registered voters surveyed are opposed to surveillance advertising. And I'd like to hear more about how the survey was conducted and why you think those findings are particularly significant. Yeah. And I mean, I do think they were particularly significant. I'll say candidly, like, it was those were stronger numbers than I was expecting. Um, I thought maybe we'd get like 60, 40, um, you know, but 80, 20. And to, you know, to be clear, in, in the in the survey, you know, it doesn't say, do you support surveillance advertising? You know, but but we asked basically something along the lines of, would you support um Congress banning, you know, companies from using people's personal data? Um for the purposes of digital ad targeting and 81%, it was 80% Democrats and Republicans too. It was like pretty much, uh, you know, exactly the same levels of support across partisan lines, which was interesting. And, and we asked a second question that I thought was particularly noteworthy where it was like sort of a pair statement. So we, we basically channeled Facebook's language about quote unquote relevant ads. And so we presented two statements, you know, one, one of them being, I'd rather see relevant ads, even if companies are using my personal data to target them, or I'd rather keep my personal data private, even if it means seeing less relevant ads. And again, 
81% support for the first statement. So it was just, um, or whichever statement said, <laughs> the less relevant ads and keep your data private. So again, like, I mean, that's basically using the sort of like generous framing that Facebook has about personalization and, and still overwhelming support for for privacy. And so that was just like really encouraging to see that that across political spectrum support. That's awesome. Now, can can you speak a little bit to um, how the survey was conducted as well? Like, um, the what was it with? Like, like, did a third party conduct it, and who and and who was surveyed and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. So it was a GQR research, which is a very well respected pollster. Uh, they do a lot of political polling, um, and we've been working with them dating back to last year. Um, you know, they they work with candidates and whatnot as well, and and so. You know, I think it was a pretty standard, the same way they would conduct, you know, one of their political polls on, uh, you know, and, and they did, they've measured in our polls as well, uh, like levels of support for uh, Trump and Biden and whatnot. So a pretty standard uh, methodology um, for, for, by a, a respected pollster. And, you know, I, I can, maybe you can link to the, to the uh, results in the, in the post and folks can see the exact methodology, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Happy to uh, happy to link to those for sure. I, uh, the reason I asked the question is I, I think just the 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 tendency of of some people is, uh, is to just write off surveys is is, is not legitimate, uh, right? And, and uh, but um, but yeah, no, that, that 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 that's good to good to know that uh, uh, that it's sourcing, but. Um, now I want to, I want to take the conversation a little bit to where we were talking about this towards the beginning. Um, it feels like the, this problem of surveillance advertising, um, has, has particularly come to a head this past year since the pandemic started. Can you speak a little bit to that? Do you agree with that statement? Do, um, and what, and if so, why? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly the case that these big tech companies are are making more money than they've ever made before, which is quite the accomplishment given their uh, previous <laughs> earnings. Um, I think, you know, it's just the reality of people were have been stuck at home and it's just like spending, they're spending that much more time, you know, going down YouTube rabbit holes and hanging out on on Facebook and whatever other, you know, social media platforms and the internet in general. Um, you know, and so I, I think that it's definitely, you know, created a an opportunity for um, for these companies to to take advantage and and hit people with even more digital ads. Um, you know, I think there might have been a, a little dip at the very beginning when when some of the advertisers, you know, folks in the travel industry and whatnot, were saying, eh, well, maybe we'll pull down ads for a little bit since people aren't traveling. But I think. Ultimately, there was a pretty major boom, and I think both Facebook and Google ended up having their most profitable years on record. Um, and at the same time, you know, people are have been isolated, you know, and uh, and I don't want to tie all bad things that have happened in the world to to surveillance advertising, you know. But I, I think part of the reason there's been so much attention on it is, you know, there's like you've seen everything from you know hoax from like people running scam ads, pushing coronavirus, uh, miracle cures to, you know, Facebook have running ads targeting 
um, you know, insurrectionists with, with military tactical gear, you know? So like, I think that there's kind of a, an added aspect of, about the awareness and concern and concern about the way this advertising system works because it's been tied to so many unseemly uh, practices, you know? Yeah, that for sure. Well, um, one of the, one of the arguments that, that a lot of these companies use against, uh, against the suggestion of banning uh, surveillance advertising. And we're seeing this, we're seeing a very interesting phenomenon happening between a Apple and Facebook right now, where Apple is is going to roll out, if they haven't already, um, the prompt of whether or not you want that app tracking you. And Facebook has responded with ads saying that it's going to affect um, uh, small business owners and stuff. Wh what do you say to that? Is that, is, uh, yeah, what, what, what do you say to Facebook? I say uh, I don't think Facebook is quite the uh, you know champion of small businesses that it presents itself as. I think that Facebook is very good at uh, doing whatever uh, is the most tactical play at the time, presenting themselves as as you know in whatever light they think is most advantageous for them. You know, like certainly. Uh, small businesses uh, existed and indeed thrived before Facebook. You know, we've actually seen less small businesses um, started over the last couple decades than than ever before. And obviously, I don't you know blame that on Facebook. But the notion that Facebook is this like godsend for small businesses, and in particular that they need to use surveillance advertising in order to support small businesses. You know, it just doesn't hold a lot of water. And, you know, I think there were some, I think BuzzFeed did reporting on on internal, uh, it seems like even Facebook employees were sort of rolling their eyes at, at this notion of Facebook as the savior of small businesses. You know, we, we speak to some of this uh, on the website, um, but the reality is that Facebook and Google, you know, they charge monopoly rents for access to the digital economy. And then they turn around and say, you know, what would small businesses do without us? And <laughs> right now they don't have a choice but to use these tools. But, you know, if we level the playing field, I, I think that we better for small businesses, better for publishers and maybe a little bit worse for Facebook and Google. And I think that that's OK. Yeah, yeah. So I got two more questions for you. Um, one, I want I, I and I kind of alluded we, we, we talked about this at the very beginning, but I would like to get your take, if, if that's okay, as somebody who was part of the Clinton campaign and saw the effects that the political effects that um, surveillance advertising had on our country and, and in turn in, on the world um, so closely. And then and then four years later, when when Trump lost and what his what his supporters that were so vile against against clinton uh in 2016 did at the at the u.s capitol and, and also and continue doing online right and i i would like to um this is kind of a uh, i'm kind of winging this question so I'm, I'm trying to get to, to a point here but just what what's your did you i, I guess the the outcome that we've seen this the the in the 2020 election was it all that surprising to you? No, no. And I, I actually, I just wrote an op-ed for, um, for Crooked Media, uh, the pod, not to 
tout any of your uh, pod, podcast competitors, but the Pod Save America guys are run out of cricket media. And uh, I basically made that exact point that was like, what did you think was going to happen? You know, when you have, uh, and I don't, I, I do like to caveat because I think it's not helpful to anyone when people just like, you know, blame tech for all of our societal problems. You know, I don't think that that's like, you know, I think that part of it is that we elected a president, perhaps with the help of Facebook, but but nevertheless, we, you know, 60, however many, many million people voted for a president who uh, traffics in disinformation and conspiracy theories and riled up his base. But when you see a, a sort of demagogue-like figure with a, with a cult-like following like Trump spending, and the entire party, at least his loyal followers within it, um, for months, you know, hyping this notion that the election was going to be rigged. And then, you know, of course, as we, as the election, as votes started getting counted, pivoting to it here, it's happening. We told you it was going to happen and it's happening. And you look at like QAnon and Boogaloo and all these like explicitly extreme and violent, uh, organizations that sort of grew that grew and recruited and and you know are, were born out of basically um the the modern social media ecosystem and and like you know i just don't know what anyone expected to happen when when these people are speaking in apocalyptic apocalyptic terms and i kind of made the point in this op-ed that it's like it's almost a reasonable reaction. If you truly believe that our democracy is being stolen before your very eyes, certainly if you believe it's being stolen by a bunch of Satan worshiping, you know, child traffickers as the QAnon folks would have you believe, then like, of course you're gonna storm the Capitol. Um, and so I, I do think it was, I don't wanna say inevitable, but it was, I didn't find it surprising at all. Um, and I think that like, you know, not all of this is a product of the ads in, in, in particular, but the entire business model is optimized for maximum engagement, right? And that's the, so that they can keep people um, on the platforms for as long as possible and serve them more targeted ads. And so a lot of times that manifests in pushing people into, you know, ex more and more extreme content or connecting them with groups like that support QAnon or whatever it is, you know, it's like, oh, you like this person is vaccine hesitant. Maybe uh, they, how would you like to, have you heard of QAnon, you know? And so, so like they've just built the platforms in such a way that by virtue of optimizing for engagement at all costs to, to su support the surveillance advertising business model, um, the societal costs are just, you know, enormous, I think. Right, right. Thank, yeah. Thank you so much for for uh, giving giving us that take. Um, the uh, and no no worries at all for plugging. <laughs> I, I don't view other podcasts as competitors by by any means. So, but yeah, and we and we'll link to that op ed uh, for sure. Um, so, uh, last question. Let's say we get it. We get a ban. Surveillance advertising is gone. It's illegal. Um, what what do we need to have measures in place to make sure that something, um, some algorithm isn't going to pop up again, that's going to have similar effects or maybe, I mean, maybe not similar effects, but a detrimental effect on society. 
Yeah, I mean, first of all, like I always like to say, and I say this about anything we propose, but it's true about surveillance advertising too, that like banning surveillance advertising is is not a silver bullet, right? There is no panacea to like the the moment that we're in when it comes to disinformation and extremism and surveillance and, you know, and, and no one thing is going to, and don't get me wrong, there's plenty of great things about technology and the internet, you know, I'm not a technophobe and I don't <laughs> hate tech writ large, but, um, but there are a lot of things that have spiraled in a way that without sort of any check or regulation. Um, and now I find very concerning. So, so I don't think it, that there is a silver bullet. And I certainly think when you look at, you know, GDPR or CCPA that, you know, in California, um, privacy laws that have been passed that are definitely move the ball forward, you know, you still see these companies, they're the, some of the most profitable companies in the world, and they're going to continue to find, uh -huh. you know, what if 98% of your revenue is rooted in, in advertising the way Facebook is, um, you know, and, and in particular, surveillance advertising, you know, claiming uh -huh. to advertisers that you have greater capacity to target people by, you know, comprehensive profiles than anyone in human history, uh -huh. you know, they're going to continue to find every possible uh, corner they can cut, loophole they can exploit. Uh -huh. And so any piece of legislation, one, needs to be very well tailored, two, needs to be, you know, cognizant of any unintended consequences, because I think uh -huh. that we've seen sometimes when people rush to pass you know, tech reforms that they end up having totally unintended consequences just because they, they they weren't thought through, um, you know, or they're difficult to think through how everything will play out. Um, and three, you know, I would say, even if it happens, which I would be obviously stoked about, <laughs> you know, we're going to need to continue pushing for comprehensive privacy legislation to sort of uh -huh. address the st surveillance state more broadly. We're going to need to keep pushing for more algorithmic uh, accountability and transparency so that we can understand exactly how these systems are, are functioning and, and what content they are recommending and, and amplifying. And so, um, and I think we need antitrust uh, solutions as well mm -hmm. because these companies are just too big and they, without competition, it makes it a lot easier to exploit your users and, you know, subject them to, hate speech and privacy violations, and they don't really have anywhere else to go. So I think, yeah, there's there's a lot of work to do, but but hopefully we can start move the ball forward. What would, what would better algorithmic transparency and oversight to you look like? I mean, for, for at, at least one example of like a step in the right direction, you know, Twitter has at least sort of opened up their API so that mm -hmm. academic researchers mm -hmm. can take a look under the hood and see, you know, Facebook and YouTube, th these companies are just like assuring us that uh, we're caught 99% more hate speech than last year. And they mm -hmm. make all these like mm -hmm. self-referential claims that nobody can verify. And, right. you know, it's just really hard to make. And then they will on the, use it on the flip side to criticize the critics by saying, oh, you actually don't understand how this all works mm -hmm. and you're just not. And it's like, nobody does ex because nobody has access to the, to the data. Mm -hmm. And so the, anyone, of course, policymaking isn't gonna be perfectly tailored until we have 
access to, to the data to, to understand what the problem is and what the scope of it is. And then you can figure out how to address it properly, you know? Right. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time. Super appreciate it. I loved this conversation. It was fantastic. Um, yeah. Th- Thanks so I, much I'm- for having me. Oh, sorry. Say that again so that I, because the audio kind of cut out because I talked over you. No, I I think I talked over you. I was just saying, same. I really enjoyed the conversation and I I really appreciate you having me on and just the work that you're doing to to educate folks and, and advocate around these issues as well. Thank you. And that was Surveillance Today. If you enjoyed it, there are three easy ways to support the show. Tell your friends and family about it. Visit surveillance.today to subscribe and get every edition directly to your inbox. And buy some merch at store.surveillance.today. Thanks for listening.